What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the You floor. know what? <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. Good morning, Akron. And thank you for tuning in to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is the July 10th installment of our show and a special one because it is my first show hosting. My name is Alex Henry, and we got a lot of exciting stuff to get into, including Baker Mayfield talk, college football changes, SB predictions, and MLB news. But first... Let me introduce one of the best poets I know with the hottest sports takes on the show, Mr. Marcus Anderson. How are we doing, Marcus? I'm all good. How about you, Alex? Hey, hey, we're here. And easily one of the biggest Zip sports fans I know. He bleeds black and yellow, Mr. Pat Weber. Pat, how are we doing this morning? Doing good. How are you doing? Dude, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> First time hosting. Should be a good one. We got a lot of stuff to... Oh, guys, I think I'm getting a call. Do we... Usually, like, take calls on Sports Power Talk? No, but I think we can make an exception for this one here. (laughs) All right. Hey, we're going to take it. it. Uh, Hello, WZIP. Ah, good morning, boys. This is Logan Congrove calling you all the way from the land of my people, surrounded by all my fellow e-culture enthusiasts, Miami, Florida, because something spectacular has finally happened. Baker Baker Interception Maker is no longer a Cleveland Brown. It was so good to see you come, but boy, am I glad to see you finally go. Now that time in Cleveland has come to an end, here are some things I am glad I never have to see again. I couldn't miss this opportunity, even being on vacation, to call in and let you guys know. Goodbye to your decision-making, which was some of the worst I've ever seen. Goodbye to your inability to throw over the pocket due to the fact that you're vertically challenged. I'm glad I'll never have to see your throws batted down before they even have a chance ever again. Sayonara to watching your progressive commercials immediately following a game-changing interception that you just threw. Adios to all the delusional fans like evil Mr. Jake Murren who think you're some sort of legendary quarterback, when in reality, since 2018, you were ranked 45th in completion percentage. Your touchdown-to-interception ratio was 92-56, to which was ranked 32nd. Passing yards per game, you were ranked 28th with a 235.4 rating and had a passer rating of 87.8, which ranked 35th. 
These ranks were compiled among 50 qualified quarterbacks around the league. 50! And you were in the 28 to 32 range in all of them. Some people may say, Ah, oh, Logan, you just got to appreciate what he did for us. Those people, as in Jake Murren. He got us to the playoffs, you might say. As a starting quarterback with the weapons that the Browns have, that should be expected, Jake. The term best quarterback we've had in my lifetime doesn't really carry much weight for me, considering the standard before Baker was Derek Anderson, who we also gave to the Carolina Panthers. Come week one, you will all finally see how inferior of a quarterback he really is. When Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney sack him multiple times and Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom intercept every single throw he launches. It's time for a fresh start, Browns fans. It's finally over. We don't have to watch Baker Mayfield's average quarterback play in our city anymore. Baker can go finally play 10 hours of Halo instead of studying game plan in peace in a dead-end organization like the Carolina Panthers. We, however, will be preparing for week one and to make a playoff run and prove everyone wrong that Baker was the problem. Is that, is that it, Logan? That's all. That's all I have to say. I just couldn't miss the opportunity to call in and finally talk smack because he is, in fact, gone. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. And I, I think this might be one of the first ever phone calls we've taken in Sports Power Talk history. And what better of a call than fellow member Logan calling in to just give his thoughts on Baker Mayfield? Fantastic. I, I'm glad to be the first call we've taken, and I wouldn't have it any other way talking about Baker, Baker, interception maker. Well, thank you, Logan. Me, Marcus, and Pat are going to get into talking about Baker right now, but I appreciate your call. <clears throat> have a fun time on vacation. Absolutely. You guys have a great rest of your show, and once again, evil Mr. Murren is always wrong. But, hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> 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 hey guys that's good that's solid what a way to introduce the show huh so we're talking about baker mayfield guys brown's quarterback and i mean logan said a lot there there's a lot to digest but first i want to hear your guys's thoughts so we all i know we all have strong opinions about baker here so whoever wants to start just just hop on that mic and let's talk baker good friends i never liked them ever even when we drafted him i never even liked them at oklahoma never even liked them at texas tech I mean, the people of Texas may like him, dubbed as the best quarterback in Texas history, but he's <laughs> just. He never, I never average. liked him. <laughs> always thought he was inaccurate, even when he was at Oklahoma. People dubbed him as always accurate, but I never liked his ball placement. I never thought he would be a success in the NFL. I mean, it's just that one rookie. I'll admit that one rookie season, he surprised me, his rookie season. He surprised me. I actually thought. I actually saw. One NFL Network analyst like dubbed him as the same way Al. He made this quote: "The same way Al Iverson impacted basketball is the same way Baker Mayfield is going to impact football." Like uh, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know who said that, but whoever said that needs to be fired. I think it was Peter Schrager. I think it was P- Peter Schrager. <laughs> There's <I> no can- <laughs> way. <laughs> There's no way you compare Baker Mayfield to Allen Iverson. Baker Mayfield is a horrible quarterback. I'll give him. The one moment where he shined that he did take down my Steelers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is the only thing I'm giving him. And I barely give him that because, in reality, Baker never won a game in Heinz Field when we had fans there. Yeah, You won during the COVID year. Big whoop. There were no fans. Baker, you fold under pressure. I was so glad to watch you get sacked five times in a night. 
in person for Big Ben's last game. Thank you for throwing an interception mm-hmm. to your former college teammate. It really meant a lot to me. Mm. Um, good riddance to Baker Mayfield. I hope he doesn't find success in Carolina. Who You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Baker Mayfield will be playing for the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL <laughs> in two years. Get him out of the NFL. He's not, he's not worth it. The only thing I... I will say another thing, though. I do think it's funny that the Browns are going to be paying Baker to play the Browns week one. But good riddance, Baker Mayfield. We'd never want to see you succeed ever. Browns fans, all NFL fans, nobody wants to see you succeed. You're going to make Robbie Anderson retire, and I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, I want to talk about a uh, stat that I saw before we get into Baker in, you know, North Carolina, or going to the Panthers and whatnot. Baker's last season, fourth quarter completion rate, where where the game is most important, where quarterbacks prove if they're average, bad, or great. This is this is it, fourth quarter. Completion rate was less than 51%. That's slower than Zach Wilson, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, can't even believe I'm about to say this, Daniel Jones, Andrew Locke, <laughs> and finally, the guy who he's competing for QB1 against, Sam Darnold. And something you know, neither of you guys mentioned is I don't like the, the notion where Browns fans give Baker the injury card. Yes, you know, football is a tough sport. Maybe you go play some games injured. It happens all the time at every position. But if you're going to claim you're injured, still go out and play, and then play bad. Not, I wouldn't put that on him, though. That that's a coaching decision too. It, so I do think that's a very poor I th- court, uh, coaching. Choice, I think but. though, if Baker's ready to play and he's telling Kevin Stefanski he's ready to play, Kevin's going to put him in. And I, I'm not I'm not buying this injury card. I I don't like it. You know, you look at Thomas Hearns versus marvelous Marvin Hagler. The war. It's one of the best boxing matches of all time. In case if you're not aware, um, Thomas Hearns broke his hand in in the first round of the fight. He still lost, but you never heard him complain about it. Okay, you want to talk about a winner. Kurt Angle won Olympic gold in wrestling, which was the hardest sport to win Olympic gold in, in my opinion. He won with a broken neck. I mean, okay, you want to play injured? It's fine. I don't recommend it, but it's fine. But, I mean, Baker just proved he wasn't him. He's not him. And I think I really noticed this in the Green Bay game. It all came down to that Green Bay game. And I just, I just knew. I'm like, this guy can't read a basic coverage. He can't throw past the defensive line. I, and I, I, I don't give him the injury card. And if you look at how bad Cleveland wanted to get rid of this guy, they signed Deshaun Watson for $230 million, not knowing if he'll even play another NFL snap. And, you know, hey, there's going to be the Baker boys, right? The Baker fans. God willing, Deshaun Watson plays, right? Give it two years. They're all going to be in line to buy those Deshaun Watson jerseys. I guarantee it. But hey, Baker's in North. He's in North Carolina now, playing for the Panthers. What do we think <clears throat> about him starting? Is he beating out Sam Darnold? Yeah, he, he could. Uh, I'll say this: like, this could be. I mean, it's the same case he had before. He's got two good receivers, a good offense with explosive playmakers. The same case he had with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he could do nothing with Odell, Jarvis, and he couldn't do nothing with Kareem and Nick Chubb. And same case here. He got Chris, sharing the same backfield with Chris McCaffrey. He got Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore as his two wideouts, which is two 
which is one of the best receiving duels in, in the NFL right now. Mm, I and wouldn't then, say that. Yeah, I mean, they are. They are. Yeah. But And then uh, he's sort of an offensive guru, I would say, uh, Matt Rule. But that's the main reason. That's the only reason I would say he'll have success in Carolina is because you pairing a, a former Pac-12 quarterback with a former Pac-12 coach. I mean... This might be an offense. This might finally be the offense for him, an offense that he f- could finally understand. It's about time for him. And just look at Kyler Murray and Cliff Clingsbury in Arizona right now, former Pac-12 quarterback, former Pac-12 coach. So f- pair him with the former Pac-12 coach. And I know it might sound silly, but it might make sense. It, it makes sense for a while. You know what else makes sense? The 32nd team in the league. For the thirty-second quarterback in the league, this is kind of is kind of my opinion, Pat. What do you, what do you think of this, Baker? Be, I, I guess my question is, is it a competition or does Baker have the job right now? I think he has the job. As much as I do love Sam Darnold, he doesn't have the starting job. I mean, he is worse in every single category than Baker Mayfield, except for how many times he's been sacked. Hmm. But I'm not giving Sam Darnold the starting job at least week one. Because if I'm the Panthers, I want to see what Baker can do. That way, if he <clears throat> succeeds or does better than what Sam Darnold can do, then you can ship off Sam Darnold, start making some trades. Yeah, I don't think Baker's going to succeed here, but I don't think anybody's going to succeed in Carolina yeah. at this point. They have a, probably one of the worst receiving cores in the league. Mm-hmm. Depth-wise. Robbie, depth-wise. Uh, Robbie depth-wise. Anderson Robbie really Anderson's doesn't even good. like Baker. Exactly. So, I don't know. I also agree. I don't know if you guys saw, but Robbie Anderson did blame the Jets for all of Sam Darnold's failures, and I will say I agree with him. Mm-hmm. I do think the Jets kind of set Sam Darnold up for failure, but i got to give it to Baker week one. As much as I don't like him, he is a starting quarterback for that team. He's a starting caliber quarterback still, but I don't think he'll succeed. Yeah, I think Baker starts. He has the talent to start for an NFL team. My thing is, he's never played with a team this bad. I mean, especially the 31st ranked O-line in the league. Marcus, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to hate on their wide receiver core, but I think it's average at most. I wouldn't say it's one of the best. And, you know, we've never seen Baker play here, whereas Sam Darnold, which, by the way, they gave up a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick for Sam Darnold. We only, they only gave up a fifth and fourth for Baker, and they wanted to cut that contract. They said, hey, bro, we're, we're not signing you if we don't cut the contract. Nobody wanted Baker, which is one of the you know my key points on maybe he won't start. But I, I do think Baker starts uh, with the Panthers as well. Now, assuming he starts, because we all agree with that, correct? How are the Panthers doing this season? Can, can he bring this team to the playoffs? <laughs> Are <laughs> Browns fan? Are Browns fans going to regret, you know, chasing this guy out of Cleveland? They might week one, but that depends on who's starting for the Browns week one. If it's Jacoby Brissett, I do think the Panthers could pull off this upset. If it's Deshaun Watson, the <clears throat> Browns are going to steamroll the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers for the past two seasons have been. Probably the most frustrating team for me to watch because it's just 
it's been the same old story the past two seasons with them. They string together such a good start. They get everybody convinced that they may be contenders, and then suddenly a Christian McCaffrey injury happens, and not just that, they just crumble up like like paper, and just like end up end up playing for a, a top five pick or something. And they got they actually got a decent amount of talent on their team, it's defense and offense, and including special teams and. Even all throughout the years, they've been one of the most frustrating teams to watch. With <clears throat> with all the talent in the world, they always have enough to like be a contender each and every year. And I don't know, it's a hit and miss. I'll just the Panthers is just the one, one of those teams to where you just sit back and just watch what happens. I completely agree. The Panthers seem to start off really, really hot, like Marcus said, but then they always seem to fall apart because Christian McCaffrey just can't stay healthy. He's one of the best running backs in the league, but he just can't stay healthy. I've been saying this a lot, but he's like the Mike Trout of the NFL, where like Mike Trout, he's one of the best baseball players you will ever watch, Mm -hmm. but he cannot stay healthy. Same type of thing with Anthony Davis. He's one of the best basketball players in the league, but he can't stay healthy. That's the story with the Panthers is that they're injury-prone, they string together a very good start, but then they actually hit the middle of the season where they start playing the competition when teams have started to put together their chemistry, and they just can't get it to go, and they fall flat on their faces. I'm still going to put them at uh, number two, uh, no number three sorry, in the um, NFC South, but that's only because the Falcons will be... I have them being the worst team in the league, mm. but I don't see Baker boosting this team any more than Sam Darnold does. He might get them one or two more wins, and that's about it. So I don't know for the Panthers, was it worth... Yes, you have Sam Darnold, not the best quarterback. Is it worth bringing in a quarterback who's maybe only slightly better and might only get you two more wins? Mm-hmm. I, don't I mean, think it's, so. it's like it's like, you know, picking who starts. Do you want to be hit by a semi-truck or a train? Yeah, it, basically. It, mm-hmm. it really, It's really not going to matter. I mean, both of these guys are first and second for most interceptions since they started the league. And, and talking about the Panthers, they have the fifth fewest wins in the NFL in the last three seasons. They only got 15 wins. And, you know, Pat, you started to talk about the NFC South and predicting how they do. Um, even in the NFC, Baker, just as a quarterback in general, it, it, this is probably his best-case scenario where he can actually really shine compared to the AFC where it's just talented quarterback after talented quarterback. But this is, you know, I don't prey on any athlete's downfall. I want them to succeed. Um, I'll say that right now. And I want to see Baker Mayfield succeed. I really do. He has been put into an awful situation. He has been. This is the worst possible hand he could have been dealt. Well, yeah, honestly. And my thing, my reasoning for why I don't think the Panthers are going to be any better with Baker is Baker Mayfield, while playing in Cleveland, had probably one of the best offensive lines blocking for him in the NFL. And he still got sacked 134 times in his Mm. career in Cleveland. You're going to an O-line that is significantly worse than what you had in Cleveland. And with how much Baker freezes the minute he rolls out of the pocket or the minute that pocket starts to collapse, I don't know what... I think he might be the most sacked quarterback in the league coming up. Because how he plays is... Everybody knows. Everyone knows that the minute that you force him out of the pocket or you manage to contain him and it starts to close, he panics. He freezes. He doesn't know what to do. And that's when the bad decision-making comes in because then he'll either be looking only for one receiver, and if he's covered, he doesn't know what to do. Right. So I don't really know what the Panthers were thinking You know, doing this trade. I would have rather 
if I wanted Baker to succeed, I would have sent him to Seattle. Sure. Now, I I hope there wasn't any like bad blood with like the front office and Baker, and that's why they sent him to Carolina. But I don't know. They really did set him up for failure. This was the worst possible outcome for Baker out of all the trade rumors, out of all the teams that wanted him. This was probably the worst one. Yeah. And he got stuck with it. Marcus? I mean, I could agree. Yeah. Let's get into NFC South predictions. Baker, we're going to assume he's quarterback still. Let's start at the bottom of the list after the NFC South. Pat, you already kind of started. Just reiterate what you were saying. The Waffle House birds, the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> they are going to be a train wreck. I mean, you your best receiver right now is Drake London or Kyle Pitts. That's not good. No. You lost Calvin Ridley for the season. Marcus Mariota is your starting quarterback, although I do love Marcus Mariota. As a, as a mistake, that. I mean, draft him over Garrett Wilson. Oh, 100%. Mistake. They took the wrong receiver. <laughs> I mean, their defense isn't good anymore. Cordero Patterson might be, he's average. He's an average running back at best. Mm. I just don't see them succeeding because you're putting Marcus, you went from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. You have no, like virtually no receivers because Calvin Ridley is suspended for the season. What are they going to do? That's right. the only thing I, like, that's why I'm arguing to say that they might be the worst team in the league. Like genuinely, I think they will finish dead last. I think Atlanta's the new Detroit at this point for me. Marcus? I mean, the only thing I'm liking with the Falcons is they brought back those old school 60s red helmets. Those are pretty cool. I will admit that. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> I'll say, are we the best throwbacks in the league? But it's, it, the Falcons, I would agree with Pat. Like, they could be the worst team in the league. But it's like, you know, each every season we get that one team that just comes out of nowhere and just jumps on somebody and becomes that Cinderella story of the season. Like, that could be the Falcons. Just we look at with Arthur Smith being the OC, being the OC from the Titans originally coming over to the Falcons, being the head coach, and then making some other good hires like Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator. I mean, that could be the only reason why the Falcons could be that team this year. That them or Jacksonville could be that team to surprise everybody, and just and also knowing that. How much Arthur Smith had to work with and still was able to make the Falcons a competitive team, 7-10. Sure. And people predict them to be the worst in the league. But it's just because just of Arthur Smith and with the offensive genius he is. And they could be that team. Yeah, I 100% agree with both of you guys putting Falcons at the bottom. Do we, do we all agree that Panthers are third? Yeah, yeah. I they're not going to move on my list. They're just going to hover. They're just going to hover around maybe like... Five, six wins. Yep. And that's where I'm putting him. Five or, five or six wins, By maybe way, seven. If, if Baker can get like seven or eight wins with this team, I'll be shocked. I'll be impressed. And I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> if it happens. But uh, I'd be very impressed. I would uh, be. So we got the second now. And this is where I think it gets difficult. But I don't know if everybody agrees with me. So number two for me, I have Tampa Bay. And that's just because they've lost some key players. I mean, Gronk retired. Brady, even though he is the GOAT, he's still very good. He is aging. I don't know how. Because he's always played with a big spotlight on him, mm. with the being the greatest quarterback all right. of all time. I think that's going to be even, I think that spotlight's going to be even brighter on him, especially after he unretired. So I don't know if he's going to be able to live up for that, because we haven't heard anything about him at all since he's unretired. We don't know how he's going to look. 
I have them at number two, and that's the only reason why I have them at two is I think the Saints wide receiver core is just that good. I think the Saints offense is going to be sure. that good. Sure. That's why I have them at number one. Yeah, I agree. I was about to say the same exact thing, but a different reason because the Saints defense. I mean, the Saints defense obviously proved that there's something they know about Tom Brady that everybody else is still trying to figure out about Tom Brady. They obviously got his number. And it, you look at that night when they – you look at that night, that one Sunday night in week 14 or something, that they shut out Tom Brady. And that's the only – that was only the third time in his career where Tom Brady was ever shut out. Mm-hmm. Only the third time. That was the first time since 2006 prior to that point. And obviously they was confusing him. They shut down his options. They was just limiting the options for Tom Brady. And then pretty much this defense got even better with the signings of both Tari Matthews, the Honey Badger, and Marcus May from the Jets. And sure. obviously this defense going to be the best. Not just the best. I'm talking about like 2000 Ravens, 2015 Broncos, old school Steelers kind of times. Like best in the league. Won those great defenses of all time. You're gonna you're taking like the first. So I also like their defensive <laughs> yes, line. Yes, definitely. I think the Saints defensive line. And is Cam Jordan, yeah, Cam Jordan is still guy. You know his age is probably like 33 or 34. He still got it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they still have uh, was it Daniel Onyemata? Yeah, pretty good defensive tackle. Sure. I like the Saints all around. The only position they kind of lack is quarterback. Yep. No no offense to Jameis Winston, but he's an average quarterback. If if they're they're one they might be the team that if they finish second, it's because they're one quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean Jim McMahon was that much of a good quarterback and the eighty five Bears were still able to win the Super Bowl. That is true. <laughs> Wait, wait, see, because I like I said I think the Saints wide receiver core is just it's just so good. I mean, not only do you still have Michael Thomas, but you're gonna have Chris Olave. Added in there, that's insane. So I'm, I'm taking the Bucks first um, instead of the Saints, and it's it's understandable. It's really close for it me, is. and I I'm not gonna argue either side um, is a hundred percent right. I can easily see the Saints taking number one. My problem is Jabo Jameis Winston. It's just. I actually really like Jameis Winston. I remember when I was really getting into college football, following him in college football, and thinking he was so exciting. Uh, I just, I've learned a lesson in life, and maybe you guys too. It's never bet against Tom Brady. It's I've learned that way too many times for at this point in my life to bet against him right now. So I am going to pick the Bucks, um, but it, it'll be close. But we can all agree. That it's not going to be the Panthers. It's, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not going to be the Falcons. So, hey, not not a bad first segment, right, guys? Right. I mean, Not at all. We got not, the trash Baker Mayfield, so I would call that a success. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree. Hey, we're going to keep talking about football on our way back. We're going to get into college football. Pat, you ready, ready for this Akron Zips? Let's go Zips, update? baby. We're going to talk about some more drama in college football. But I was very happy. Jake, if you're listening, I love you. I'm sorry. But Jake, Jake I know you're listening, <laughs> and I regret nothing that I said about Baker He's Mayfield. Just, like I, I said, do have that jersey, though, and I will wear it when Logan gets his. <laughs> Baker is not him. He is not. He never has been and never will be. Him. <laughs> hey, we'll be right back with Sports Power Talk. Welcome back. Two Sports Power Talk. My name's Alex Henry. I'm joined by... Roll Zips, baby. 
Biggest Zips fan in the world right here. Mm-hmm. You already know. Mr. <laughs> Pat and Marcus Anderson from the 216-330. Okay. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. Guys, we've been talking football. We've been talking Baker, but we'll give it a rest because I'm sure there's plenty of guys in WZIP that have plenty of things to say about Baker, so we'll give them their spotlight. <laughs> I want to get into college football. It's becoming that time of year where we got to start talking about this, and not only is it that time of year, but so much is happening in college football right now, and I really think it's going under the radar because it can really change the history of what college football is, and I think it's more important to talk about. But first, like we've said multiple times, Pat is the biggest Zips sports fan I know. I watched him pretty much cry when they lost. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I was in, pretty upset. In March Madness. He, he, I wouldn't say cry, he, but he went into seasonal depression. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... That shot still haunts me. It, yeah, it was sad. That, it, that shot just... I, um, I contemplated calling a therapist, <laughs> uh, maybe getting him some help, but he's good now. And he's here to talk about some football. So... Pat, inform us on what's going on with the uh, Akron Zips offseason, their transfer portal. So right now in the transfer portal, we are doing a phenomenal job. We just landed two four-star transfers from Penn State, one wide, one wide receiver, one line uh, lineman. I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. I'm most impressed, though, by the lineman that we did land. His name is Anthony Wigan. Be prepared to see this man block like a beast for us. Four-star transfer, like I said, from Penn State. Played in JUCO for two years. Transfers out of JUCO, Mm. goes to Penn State. In his time as a JUCO athlete, he was the number two offensive lineman in the nation and the number seven overall ranked football player in the nation for JUCO. Goes, plays at Penn State, plays under Coach Moorhead, and comes here to stay under Coach Moorhead. I love it. I love it. I think he's going to be a beast the second man, like I was saying, wide receiver this time, but still from Penn State, Daniel George, phenomenal player. I'm excited to watch these guys play for us. I think we're going to string, string together a very, very good season right now. And the most recent transfer that I still do want to bring up is Caden Clark. He is a transfer from Alabama. Mm. That's right, Zips fans. Mm. We landed somebody from Bama. Mm. Phenomenal tight end. <laughs> Class of 2020. Young God has still probably got, what, four years? Because I think that COVID year still counts as a uh, redshirt year for a lot of people. Correct. He's probably got four years left. He's going to be here to stay. I'm excited. We're going to put together a very good team. We have been putting together a very good team since Coach Moorhead came. 100%. I love seeing it. And, and Pat, what would you say, why is it now that so, you know, we used to have to beg an average player to come to Akron. We had to beg. They, you know, they didn't. Who wants to yeah, come the, play at the Akron? The past four years have been like that. What is it that people all of a sudden they want to come play for Akron? Why? Why would you? Why? Why? I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. So I, I'm going to say it's because of Coach Moorhead, because we went from Tom Arth, who was a Division two player, Division two coach. Yeah, that hire was pay Manny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he. I give Tom Arth the credit that, like, it was a creative hire. It was, like, thinking outside the box, right? We were in need of a coach. We just came off of probably a very disappointing loss in the MAC uh, championship that season before. But Tom Arth blew up everything. He was, I will say, he's probably one of the worst head coaches I have ever seen. And I went to a D7 high school where we didn't win a game for, like, four <laughs> years. 
And I still think my high school coach could have coached the University of Akron better than um, Tom Arth did. But with Coach Moorhead coming in, it's like a morale booster. He's got that big name behind him. He's sure. a very good coach. He's a very good offensive coordinator. He's been all over. He's, went, he's been to Oregon. He was the head coach at Mississippi State. He led Mississippi State to a bowl game in the SEC when they were supposed to be one of the worst colleges in the nation in his time there as a head coach. He was at Oregon, like I said. He was at Penn State. He did a lot of stuff for us. He was at an Akron Zip. He was coaching for us in the early 2000s. He comes back. He's earned the respect of so many players. People that played in the NFL, Mike Jacecki talks about him, about how great of a coach he is, how great of a person he is. That's why everybody's coming to us now. They know the reputation that Coach Moorhead has. They want to play for Coach Moorhead. They know that Akron, we're turning things around here. We're not going to be the joke of the college football world anymore. No. We're going to be competitive, which is something that we have not been able to say for a very long time. But we're going to be competitive, and everybody can see that. These athletes are seeing that. They're coming in. I talked to one of my friends, asking how training camp's looking right now. He works with the team. He gave me this little bit of insight. The guys are getting after it. They're competing on all phases of training whether it's mentally, physically, and emotionally. You can tell by the way that the transfers and the older guys are pushing these new guys. They want to win. This is a completely different team compared to the last four years. All these guys are putting in the extra work just to get on top of what's required of them. Morale's at an all-time high, and the expectations are through the roof. I think that's something to watch out for. We're going to be competitive this year. I'm, I think we could finish a top three team in the MAC at least this year. Yeah. And I'm I'm so excited for this next season. We've already got ten commits for next year. Yeah, and we haven't even got to next year yet. <laughs> we already got ten commits. We're going in the past couple of years. If we had one or two commits early on, it was a miracle. 100%. And we're turning it around, and right. I love it. Hundred percent, Marcus. You got anything to add? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a guy who's been all around uh, the whole circle, all circles of life, and when it comes to college football, I mean, he's been a coach at probably. Been head coach at Mississippi State, Penn State, offensive coordinator, and also at Oregon. And also worked with some of the great stars in the NFL right now. Guys like Saquon Barkley, Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. Montez Sweat, and Jeffrey Simmons. And also, also was being uh, Justin Justin Herbert's quarterback coach and OC at Oregon. And also, what he brings to Akron here is like a pro style offense, a pro style, pro style just. Uh, our circles of life in college football, pretty much. Yeah, hundred percent. He he's bringing in a winning culture, which is yeah. something that we have not had in a long time, at least for football here. Right. Yeah. And we've always kind of succeeded in everything else. Sure. But we've always kind of fallen short in football, especially the last four years. And he's bringing that winning culture, that winning mindset, back to Akron, and I love it because I think that if we do well the next few years, I think we should petition to move out of the MAC. If mm. we do well enough, if we you know, sign Coach Moorhead longer. If we succeed, I, I'm being serious. I think we should position to get out of the MAC. I mean, look at Marshall. Look at UCF. They were in the MAC in the early 2000s. They're doing way better now. So I right. think that's what we should do too. Yeah, just to, to wrap up on Akron real quick. Something I do want to say is, I think that Akron's always been a football school, which is funny. It's kind of like the high school I went to, Green High School. We were always good at basketball. Made the playoffs dang near every year yet everybody came out to the football games everybody talked about football and it's kind of that fo- football culture in Ohio I think has a lot to do with it 
But Especially ima- up here in Northeast yeah. Ohio. Football yeah. culture is deep up here. Oh, yeah, but imagine just a good Zips football team oh, with man. how much the city loves yeah. Akron football. 100%. Despite all the bad years... We would still we'd still get a yeah. decent turnout. For, I mean, freezing some, rain and snow for yeah, a team that uh, hasn't won. Last time that really happened here was when Charlie Fry was quarter quarterback. Sure, yeah. I think the first game of the season this year, even though it's against uh, St. Francis, I think we're gonna have a very good crowd. It's Friday night lights. Friday <laughs> night lights. I'm very very excited, Pat. You started to talk about conferences. You started to talk about. People leaving their conferences, teams leaving their conferences, and that's what I really want to talk about. First off, let's get into just some early rumors. Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and North Carolina possibly joining the SEC. Huge teams. What? Obviously, none of this is confirmed, but what, what does this do for, for college football? How do, I guess what I really want to ask is, how do these other schools survive if the big teams are leaving their conferences. Do, do Pac-12 and Big 12 conference teams become like Sunbelt and MAC conference teams? The way that I see it is all the teams want to leave now because they want to make these pushes. Ever since UCLA and USC made that petition to join the Big Ten and it succeeded, all these other teams, they want to go join these big conferences. Well, it's not... The past couple of years anyway, it hasn't really been like, oh, it's the Power Five. It's always really been the Big Ten and the SEC. I see, with the SEC, I don't like Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and North Carolina leaving. Will it happen? It might. Because what's kind of happening now is it's not a power five anymore. It's the power two. It's the Big Ten. It's the SEC. And that's it. Yep. The alignments are already getting blown up because SEC and, uh, or not the SEC, sorry, USC (laughs) and uh, UCLA are joining the Big Ten. It's huge. That is huge. But I don't think the other conferences like the Big 12, like the Pac-12, I don't think they're going to disappear. What's going to have to happen for them is they're going to have to try to get these smaller colleges, say, um, as much as I don't want to admit it, well, we'll go with like NIU. They're very good at football. They draw a decent, like a decent crowd out. So mm-hmm. what these other conferences are going to do, like the Big 12, is they're going to move in and they're going to try to get somebody like NIU and bump them up to theirs. It's going to hurt a little bit because you're going to start getting like these, I don't say like lesser schools, but less competitive for a big conference. You're going to start getting them into these like power five, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt them a little bit, but it's not going to make them like the Sun Belt because that's like the lowest of the low for like the mid tier conferences. But it's definitely going to hurt them, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, I think Akron's got to start thinking about petitioning to move out of the MAC. If we start succeeding. Yeah. I think this is a good opportunity. Marcus? I mean, I don't see it like being an effect towards the conference itself, but I see it being an effect to the team who is making that transfer. Like, for example, I remember when Miami, the Miami Hurricanes, the U, was like years ago was on top of the football universe, times when every was there, Ray Lewis was there. That, that was the time when they was in the Big East before moving to the ACC. And now look at them now. They just crumbled up. Same thing with Nebraska. When they was in the Big Twelve before coming to the Big Ten, they was a they was one of those they was one of the top football programs in in the nation. Now ever since moving to the Big Ten, they just became one of the worst programs in in the nation. And it could be it could spell demotion a demotion for 
Florida State, who ever since seen them lose to Jackson State, that mm-hmm. one game is just they just lost it. They could get demoted. But then you could see an opportunity for other teams, like maybe an Alcor State move up from move up to the D one, and then mostly it's whenever a team decides like promote themselves to a bigger conference, and some like a Notre Dame finally move themselves to a big conference, the ACC, they should look at themselves first and see if they deserve to be in that conference. Like the text, like Texas A M, they saw they was ready for the SEC. Right. The move from the Big 12 to the SEC, and they're quite doing that transition very well, taking it very well. And that's why I see UCF and Cincinnati move to the Big 12 because they quite deserved it and the way they've been playing for the past few years. And I'm not sure about Oklahoma and Texas, their idea of moving themselves to the SEC. I think that's a setup that's, that could spell disaster and setup for humiliation because, I mean... Texas football, yeah. at least... Like the University of Texas, it has been at best subpar. Yeah. So the past years, like, yeah, they got Arch Manning now, but yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't kind of the SEC. Kind of. I don't yeah. think they deserve to be in the SEC whatsoever because you're going to compete with Alabama, right? Yeah, like Texas is going to compete with Bama. Yeah, I mean, boom themselves to the SEC. That's like a portal putting themselves in the dog pound. <laughs> I understand it for also like a school point of view because you have to realize that these bigger conference colleges they do get a lot more money they do get a lot so i understand it but at the same time if you're not going to succeed and you're just going to be an embarrassment to yourself don't don't move right It, it, it feels like we all see the pros and cons in the situation whereas it does hurt smaller schools marcus like you said but it really does help these bigger schools too and i think the pros outweigh the cons but i really got to thinking about it last night and it it almost makes it seem in my opinion that college football, slowly but surely, is kind of becoming like the NFL, especially with these big schools coming to the same conference. Unpopular opinion, I've always enjoyed watching college football more than the NFL. Most people that I know like watching the NFL more. I'm more of a fan of the NFL than I am college football, but I love watching a college football game. And with these big schools with the bigger names on their team, because, you know, bigger names want to come to these big teams. And it watching these smaller teams kind of crumble is going to even hurt the guys that they can yeah, pick up even right, more. Right. And, of course, like, permanent college athletes getting paid. That, that's, it, oh, yeah. It's always been a struggle. Guys for, are getting paid. Yeah. It's, it's always been a struggle for the middle-tier conference teams anyway because the minute a good player, like, stands out, the minute, like, a player becomes a star on your team, they leave. They're into the transfer portal now, off to a bigger college. Mm-hmm. So that's always been a challenge, and I don't think that the moves are helping that at all. That's why I'm saying, like, for middle-tier conferences, what you want to do now is, like, like Akron, like Kent State, like NIU, bump them up to the Big 12 or something. It's it, Yes, it's a Power 5, not the strongest in the Power 5, obviously. Do something like that. It'll boost it and then start moving, you know, kind of like what Marcus said, start moving some very good D2, D3, start moving them up in the ranks. Put them in the middle-tier conferences mm-hmm. and keep cycling through. It is starting to become like the NFL. I will agree with you on that because all they want to do, like, it's the big two conferences. It's the Big Ten and the SEC. Yep. Not a fan of that, personally, because I've always liked watching, you know, there's, like, a couple good teams in each conference. I've always liked that. I don't want to see all the good teams in one conference because it's going to make it, like, I, don't th- I wouldn't say it's going to make it, like, not enjoyable to watch because it will be, but it won't feel the same because then you're going to watch, you know, someone like, 
say like Alabama and uh, North Carolina play, it's like that's not fair. Right. There's a reason that North Carolina is in a smaller conference, especially for football. Right. So why why put yourself in that position? Sure. Marcus? Yeah, I would agree. It, and what was I going to say? I think, yeah, it hurts kind of. I, I don't h- hate the idea of the college football kind of turning into the NFL, but it's going to lose some parts. Like, especially watching those small schools. There's right. nothing better, in my opinion, Just, than Tuesday night action. And I will I will live and die and by that. But that's beating, not, that might not be a thing anymore. Cause and then beating a big school. Exactly. Yeah. It, makes it, it makes it exciting to watch somebody like when Bowling Green beat Minnesota. Mm. That Cincinnati was fun to watch. Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati last year, too. It it eliminate and it's already kind of tough. I mean, there for the past few years, there's already been teams that have proven themselves that they are capable to be like one of the big five schools, oh, yeah, and they don't get it purely based off their competition and their conference. Now, yeah, like UCF, for example, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now that these teams are getting moved, it helps showcase those teams more. But at the same time, it hurts the smaller schools even more than it... It hurts the teams that will stay in that conference because yes, that lessens even more. the competition even more even than what more. it's already been played up to be. It's like, from a money standpoint, for the NCAA, this is good. This 100%. is great, because now you're going to have, say, Clemson does join the SEC. That's what it's about. Well, then, say, Clemson does join the SEC, well, then, boom. Clemson-Alabama just sell that game nonstop, but at the same time, like, the ACC is going to just fall apart because they're yep. lose they're already losing UCF and uh mm-hmm. Cincy. Right. If they lose any more, I I don't know how that conference is going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy what's happening in college football and I'm ex- I'm excited to see what happens in up and coming weeks, especially just the entire season and how it plays out. Real quickly though, before we get into our next segment and into break, do we have any early college football Predictions, any early college football rankings? It, it is kind of early still, but we can we can start thinking about things like that of that nature. Do we have any uh, predictions? Uh, I can give you who I think is going to finish in my top four. Go ahead, one through four. So at number one, I have the Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to come out. They're not going to lose a game but this can, year. Can you say that the the the, the brought to you by the Ohio State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is just really stupid. It's <laughs> trademark the. It's silly. <laughs> you can still say it though. Yeah, uh, I'm like I said. I got to give Ohio State number one. Sure. Um, obviously, Alabama number two. Ohio State and Alabama are almost guarantees at this point for one and two. Number three, though, I'm going to surprise a lot of people. I got Texas A&M at number three. They had one of the best recruiting seasons mm-hmm. ever. They had the number one. Recruiting a uh, recruiting class in this year, so I got to give it to them. They're returning a lot of guys. I'm excited to see Texas A&M. And at number four, you already know who I'm putting a number four. I have our very own University of Akron Zips. We're winning the national championship. Oh my goodness! Don't even worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> I need the applause. <laughs> so yeah, that's not four that's four. not happening. Yeah, I'm gonna let you know right help. now. Hey, no, in Coach Moorhead, we trust. Akron to the national championship? I'm buying that shirt. They yeah, win it's $70, but I'm buying it. Do you want to say it right now and be I'm the gonna, very first and only person to say it this early? Um, I've been saying it, and I'll say it more than once. The Zips are winning the national championship. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> Marcus is shaking his head over there. <laughs> well, yeah, I really didn't disagree with your rankings too much. Uh, Ohio State, man, they, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this season, I think, which is really important because 100%, they, ha- they have it in past years. And it's funny because they should have. There's been some seasons that I think there should have been a fire under of them. I'm like, guys, you you underperformed this season. Yeah, you know, let's get it this season. It seems like kind of the same Buckeyes. It's that Michigan loss. And last year, I think for the Buckeyes, it was as bad as sounds. Losing two games is very bad for them it's at hard. this point. Um, I think the only reason why they did last year was because C.J. Stroud kind of struggled a little bit. But once he got everything together, they were pretty good. Yeah, the Michigan loss hurts. So they're going to be really upset about that. A hundred percent. So I'm. I mean, they're just going to. Like I said, they're not going to lose a game. It's. And, and even looking at Alabama at two, I, I agree with you there. I mean, this is a team that is like they're just ready to play. Marcus, do you have anything to say? Any early predictions? Oh yeah, definitely. I got Alabama finish at number one. I mean, it's every sure. every college football season. As long as Nick Saban lives, as long as he get, <laughs> doesn't get hit by a truck or something, I mean, the same question remains: Who is stopping Alabama? And nearly the answer remains the same: Nobody. And number two, right behind him, is going to be oh, I'll say C.J. Stroud is going to be a much mature quarterback this season. RB might be end up being number one overall in 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 the NFL draft 2023 and number three. I'm quite looking out for Notre Dame. I'm be the new head coaches cha- new head coach change for Freeman it might change the culture. It might make them into a much tougher team than they were before. And then also um, number four, I'm keeping a lookout for. Maybe one of those Big 12 teams, maybe like a Baylor or maybe even Texas. I mean, uh, well, you know, yeah, (laughs) well, you know, Quinn Ewers, uh, Quinn Ewers might end up putting himself in the Heisman, in the Heisman race. What about CJ? (laughs) CJ going to win the Heisman this year? Maybe. I know he's winning the Heisman this year. I think, nah, it's Bryce Young. (laughs) Who's winning the Heisman this year? CJ Irons winning the Heisman, baby. Bryce Young. (laughs) Bryce Young. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it could be a toss-up between yep. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Nah, him, he got joint. Archie Griffin has only players in college history to win the Heisman twice. <laughs> I would honestly love to see that. Win the Heisman tr- twice. Yeah, hey, college football is exciting. Um, even this early, season. and I'm usually not this excited this early, but I am. I think we had a lot of good conversation there. So, we're going to go to break with that being said. And up next, we're going to have our around the roo question. We're talking about the ESPYs. We're going to break down some of these categories and give you our predictions on who we think is going to win. You're not going to want to go anywhere. 88.1 WZIP Sports Power Talk. Hello, Sports Power Talk Nation. That's what I'm referring to us, by the way. I, I don't, like it. I don't know if we call our fans anything. I like it. I'm I sports like Power Sports Talk Power Talk Nation. Nation. I like that. I'm here with Pat. How are we doing, Pat? Can't complain. Go Zips. Complain. Go Zips. I'm here with Marcus. How are we doing, Marcus? Still hanging. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I want to get into the ESPYs, guys. Um, these awards happen every single year, and they're really exciting. I enjoy them. Uh, there's always those people or those teams that 100% shouldn't be in it, just like any award show, the Grammys, the Oscars, whatever you're talking, they, they kind of throw it in there for whatever that reason may be, and we won't get into that. But I do think there are some good candidates, and I think there's some good 
conversation to be had. So I want to start it off with the biggest one right off bat. It's going to be our, our Around the Rue question where you listening can go onto our Twitter page, WZIP Sports, and you can vote on who you think the best athlete in men's sports is. I'm going to give you guys who the, the people, and you guys just tell me who you think should be there, who you don't think should be there, and overall who you think sh- is definitely winning. So we got Stephen Curry. Golden State Warriors, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, Shohei Otani, the Los Angeles Angels, and Connor McDavid of the Oilers. Pat, I'm going to it over to you first. first any, off, any people who shouldn't be there, any yeah, people who should? Get Aaron Rodgers off the list. Steph Curry is, it was a toss between Curry and LeBron for me. Get Aaron Rodgers off that list. He does not Why? deserve to be there Why? at all. Why? Why not? Tom Brady is better. And that's my sole reason. Last season, Tom Brady was better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers lost to the San Francisco 49ers, special mm. teams, de- and defense. Mm. Aaron Rodgers might be the most fraudulent quarterback ever because he wins MVP a lot. Yeah, he has a lot of MVPs. How many rings does he have? That's all I have to say. Jimmy Garoppolo's got the same amount. I know Jimmy Garoppolo's got, he's got two. J- yeah. Jimmy G's got two rings. I mean, I don't even like Aaron Rodgers that much. I don't a, like him either. As a That's player, another reason but- why. <laughs> I mean, last I'm year, I think he was Bowl. better than Tom Brady. I think he put up some crazy stats. Marcus, we got an opinion here? He, I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll say the person does deserve it, that doesn't deserve to be here, sort of Aaron Rodgers. No, I do think Tom Brady was snubbed of that MVP. 100%. I agree, and I agree. He was his dumb. I mean, he was one of only two players that season throw for 5,000. Mm. But, yeah, I think he was snubbed. 100%. So, yeah. I'm also going off of personal feelings. I'm still upset about that 2009, no, 2010 Super Bowl. Mm. I'm so pretty upset about that. <laughs> Understandable. All right, so Pat, back to you. I, You're okay with Curry. You don't think Rogers should be there, but nope. he is. He is. <laughs> I. Mm, it's close for me because I'm. I'm between Shohei Otani or Connor McDavid. Okay. I think I'm gonna give it to Shohei Otani. Mm. Personally, because he was one of, I think he was the first player that was a very successful, not only was he very successful at pitching, but he's a phenomenal outfielder, phenomenal defensive player, and he had one of the best batting averages in the MLB last year. He was the first true two-way player since Babe Ruth to do it successfully. I got to give it to Shohei Otani. Yeah, yeah, definitely Shohei Otani. I mean, not just his domination on on the diamond, but his domination on diamond also just made this made baseballs a great game once again. Like America's pass, America's mm-hmm. pass on once again. Pat, I don't know a lot about hockey. I did I did some research here. Can can you tell us about Connor McDavid a little, maybe? Uh, Connor McDavid is literally one of the best hockey players in the world right now. He, what I don't, what's not to like about him? Mm. He does everything so well. The next Wayne Gretzky? I wouldn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> he is very good, though. That's why I'm saying it was a toss-up, because like, I follow hockey a little bit, but I don't know. I, I wanted to give it to Connor McDavid, because he's one of the best goal scorers out there. He really is. Some of the stuff he pulls off is just wow. So so you guys are both giving it to Otani? Yes. It was a toss-up. I really wanted to give it to Connor McDavid. It's a toss-up. I really wanted to. Although, it, it was a toss-up for me. I... Don't know if Connor. I will, mm, I'm going to hold myself there. I almost said I would have put Nathan McKinnon in, but I 
I stopped myself. I know Dan Groen would have disagreed with me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, this is hard, and I think it's hard because you really have to look at it. Is it the most accomplished athlete? Is it the most dominant in their sport? It's really just the best athlete. That's what the category boils down to. It's best athlete men's sports. And it's really hard to say comparing basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. This is hard for me. Um, Shohei Otani, two-way player that you've never seen and maybe ever, honestly. Or Since at least Babe Ruth. A, that, that was the last time. He was breaking, in a great while. He was breaking records and doing, you know, like tying records with Babe Ruth mm, last and, season for his play. So and I'm not that's cra- outstanding. I'm not crazy about baseball, um, but I, I know Otani, and I know the name, and I know what he's done for the sport. And as much as I do want to pick him, I'm going to disagree with you guys. Ooh. I, I think it's Steph Curry. And if you look at what Curry has done this past season, it's pretty incredible. He uh, First off, he finally got that finals MVP, which do we all agree was deserved? Yeah. I mean, it was deserved. 100%. And what he... I think he revolutionized the game. And I'm not saying he revolutionized it this season, per se. I think he revolutionized it five years ago. If you look at... I saw a stat sheet, I think, of, like, the most, like, the areas that are, you know, NBA players take the most shots from. Mm. And in the early 2000s, like, basically before Steph Curry, you had it... It was all over the place. You had some three-pointers. I mean, a majority in the paint, though. Got to take the easy layup. But a lot of mid-range, too. And they showed a stat from this last season... No mid-range. All yep. layups and yeah. all threes. I would say, and another stat really impressed me, like, the other two guys that was there before, Ray Allen and Reggie Miller, what it took them, it took them, like, over a thousand career games to get there to where they, to where Steph Curry is now. But Steph Curry, it only took them, I believe, if I remember exactly, 629 career games just to get wow. at that mark. If most three pointers. Of think all time. about it too that Steph Curry played with eye problems until 2019, right? Which is insane because he's the best shooter of all time. Yeah, and I'm not falling for this this um this idea that people say that Curry had nobody around him. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the best team he's ever played with. No duh, he's literally played with the best teams in NBA history, like. For multiple years. <laughs> he, played, he played with somebody uh, who I think is the most efficient scorer of our generation. Yeah. With Kevin Durant. Sure. And, you know, this season, I don't think, I think, I don't think he's so dominant because he didn't have good guys around him. I just think he was dominant because he's dominant. And I don't even like Curry that much, honestly. And I want to pick Otani. Maybe it's because I don't know as much about baseball, and I understand that he's very, very impressive. But when I like, when I just think best athlete men's sports out of those four names, instantly it's Steph Curry. It's just the first name that comes to my mind. Connor McDavid, I don't know much about, and I I might not be giving him the credit. And I think we all agree, except I don't know about you, Marcus. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be there either. I, I agree. he's only there because he won. The MVP. And, and I don't and even I think th- he deserved the I MVP. think Tom Brady was there last year, if I'm mistaken. I think he was in the running for best athlete in men's sports. And like I said, with these SB awards, they're always trying to switch it up. They don't want to repeat. Just like the NBA, 
MVP, NFL MVP, regardless of who actually deserves it. They want to switch it up. I don't understand. I think the best people should be in their categories, and it's never. I mean, it's literally never the – I mean, yes, there are times where, okay, that was the best player. These are the best players. They deserve it. But then there's times where they're just putting in guys like Aaron Rodgers. And it's almost like, oh, we got to put in an NFL guy, and we can't keep putting in Tom Brady. Well, we got to pick an MVP, and we can't keep picking LeBron, Logan. <laughs> so, so they switch it up. I'm going to give it to Curry. I, I totally understand the argument for Otani. After this segment, the poll will be up on Twitter. I want to see what you guys think. WZIP Sports. Going to want to be there, but we're going to move on yeah, to some d- more. Don't get it twisted. Aaron Rodgers is still better quarterback than Tom Brady. That's what I say. What? Still better quarterback than Tom of Brady. Of all time? Yes. No, not of all time. Not no way. Of all time. I, I, I'll say that. I'll say that. <laughs> Most skilled quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers. Peyton, okay, okay, no, no. I think, Most, there's, there's a difference. I think Peyton Manning's better than Aaron Rodgers. There's, no, yeah. there's, there's a difference between the most skilled and the greatest. There, there's a yeah, difference. Would you say Aaron Rodgers so most, is the most skilled? I'd say he's the most skilled, yeah. yeah. But is he the greatest quarterback of all time? No, not even close. <sighs> I don't even know if I think he's the most skilled quarterback. I, I, give, him, I give him the credit where it's due. I don't like him, but I give him the I mean, credit. Dan Marino never even won, and I think he's better than... <laughs> And Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's, that's that's stretching it a lot. That's stretching it a lot. <laughs> like I said, guys, I'm really not a big fan of Aaron Rodgers either. I, I do think, I mean, I don't hate that he was here, Pat, but I, I also don't think he deserved it. He we'll, deserved to be here, but... We'll move on. We're going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> Best breakthrough athlete. Some of these names you guys might not be familiar with, so I'll give you a little history on these guys. You got Trinity Rodman of the Washington Spirit. Elon Gu. Skier, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, and Ja Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. Real quick, Elon um, Gu, 18-year-old, in her Olympic debut, historic success, <clears throat> became the first, first free ski athlete to ever win three golds in a single Olympics in Beijing. And not only that, she tried a new trick, and that's very rare in the Olympics to try a new trick on the big and what is in your sport the biggest stage of them all and she she landed it at 18 years old a year younger than me and it's absolutely insane best breakthrough athlete and then Trinity Rodman youngest player drafted in women's national soccer league history one rookie of the year was killing it in her stats uh, very good and we know Jonathan Taylor. We know Sean Morant. Pat, I'm going to throw it to you. Who shouldn't be here? Who should be here? Who wins it all? I think everybody that made this deserves to be here. Oh, yeah, Getting all the background, seeing the stats, seeing the records broken. They all deserve to be here, but I got to give it to JT. I got to give it to Jonathan Taylor. In my opinion, last year, he was the best running back in the NFL. Hmm. Yeah, now, uh, he, if was. Der- now, he if was. Derrick Henry, if Derrick Henry stayed healthy and didn't get hurt, it was going to be Derrick Henry again. But Jonathan Taylor, nobody expected anything from him, and he took off. He's the reason the Colts were even competitive, because Carson Wentz wasn't doing anything. He held that offense together. i got to give it to Jonathan Taylor for the sole reason that he held that Colts offense together, and he's the reason that they had a winning record. 
Yeah, I would say John Retaio too. I mean, breakthrough athlete has been someone who just was in the showers for a long time and then suddenly make puts their name on the spotlights or on the billboards themselves out of nowhere. And that's why I think John Terry exactly did. I mean, rookie season, up and down year. Then suddenly, second year, you become the best running back in the National Football League. I mean, had LT type of season. I mean, first, I believe first player since LaDainian Thompson in 2006 to have multiple multi-touchdown games, like five or seven. And then, yeah, the season was just historical. It was just a historic season by John the Taylor. I want to I wanna talk about John Morant. I, I don't think... I, I'm really tired of this, this idea where people are like, John Morant was a breakthrough. He's the best comeback athlete. In my opinion, yes. Did he have a better season than he has his past two? A hundred percent. It was expected. Did, is it just me? He was already or, an all-star. Is, is it just me or so. was I not, or am I apparently the only NBA fan in the world that knew when John Morant was drafted that he was going to be an all-star in his first five seasons? But for some reason, people act like, oh, John Morant, man, he, he came out of nowhere. Sure. Was I expecting him to be as good as he is? No. But it didn't take very long for people to realize he was going to be better than Zion. It it didn't take long at all. And yes, he had, you know, he was was he was he comeback athlete and uh, he was most improved. Most improved. I did not agree with. I don't agree with he at was, all. He was an all star last year. Yes. and was an all star again yes. this year. The only difference was he was a bench player last year, and this year he was a starter. That was yes. the only difference, and they gave it to him. I I think Darius Garland got snubbed. Still to this day, we'll say Darius Garland is the NBA's most improved player. He went from Darius Garland went from a literal nobody that nobody knew who he was yes. unless you were a Cavs fan to an NBA All Star and everybody knows his name. He just signed that huge five year deal with us for over a hundred a hundred million dollars, and you give it to John Morant. Right, that's the one thing. That's the only bone I have to pick with the NBA right now is yeah. that, and also Rookie of the Year. Scotty Barnes did not deserve that either. No. Yeah, that was Evan Mobley's. That's all I gotta say. So, so with that being said, I just I don't know who I would replace John Morant with. At best breakthrough athlete, I, I kind of want to think about Joe Burrow. Uh, just because I personally, after Joe Burrow's first season, wasn't sure if he was going to make it to the Super Bowl his next season. I think if I was going to go with breakthrough. And I, I know Jonathan Taylor's already there. So do you put two NFL think- players there? Do you put a new... Hockey player in there? Do you put? If I was going to go with breakthrough, I think I would instead of giving it to John Morant, I think I would have given it to somebody like Jeremy Grant. Where, yeah, he played on a very bad team in Detroit, but he was still an All Star caliber player. Sure, I would have rather you know see him on that list than I don't know. I would have. I honestly would have put um. Oh, I just forgot his name. I gotta. There's 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 a golfer I'm thinking of right now. I gotta pull it up. Well, I'll, I'll 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 give you guys my pick. Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously was the best running back. My only issue with picking Jonathan Taylor is that he was projected to be a top ten running back. Do people were people expecting him to have the caliber of a season he did? No, absolutely not. But breakthrough, yes, he he is number two. Yes, breakthrough. I'm picking Elon Goo. I I. I didn't know much about her, but 
I mean, 18 years old, three medals, new trick, free ski, which is it's hard. I mean, there's different there's different competitions there, and it's really the thing with that is you have to be perfect to to win those medals in those um, talent as competitions. Where in football, you know, you can just be the best guy on your team. You're going to be getting the ball all the time. And it's like, eh, you know, if the team does bad, you can still be great. It's one, it's you are by yourself right there. Same thing with John Morant. Same thing with Trinity Rodman. You know, you're, you're on a team and you can be the best on your team and that's great. But just to break through out of nowhere, I got to pick this young girl, man. I, that, it's just very impressive to me. Do I think she's going to win it? No, but I, I'm going to pick her that I think she deserves to win it. Any thoughts? I respect yeah, it. I also I respect found it. the person I was trying to think of. Which was? Uh, I would have replaced John Morant with Will Zalatoris. Because oh. Will Zalatoris, even though he turned pro in 2018 in golf, didn't really do much. And then this year in the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, and um, so those are the Farmers Insurance Open. He finished second in wow. all of those after being not that great at all. He was maybe an average golfer at first, like for the pros, and he did this. Mm. He's only 25, so I yeah. would have given it to him because he, he literally just came out of nowhere. Nobody yeah. knew who he really was, and then this year he's like one of the most talked about golfers. Yeah, and, and one thing before I move on, Trinity Rodman, very impressive, obviously, but when I really was breaking it down, because to be honest, I don't know that much about women's professional soccer, but a lot of women usually actually peak in their younger ages in the sport is what I found. Not 18. 18's impressive, but it's it's kind of expected. The other thing is, she was the first pick. It's, you know, again, best breakthrough athlete. You know, if you're, not to bring it back to Baker Mayfield or anything, <laughs> but you're picked first in the draft, right? You're expected to be great. You shouldn't have to break out. Obviously, Baker didn't do that as well. So I think he's the worst first pick in maybe NFL oh, history. I, I, I thought you were going to say of like any sport, and I was like, now hold on. We're not going to skip that. <laughs> no. Anthony Bennett here. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely not. But with you know everything there, I'm not picking John Morant. I'm not picking Trinity Rodman. It's between Taylor and Ilongu. I'm going to Ilongu. I respect it. Capiche? We good? I like it. Yeah. Let's also, move on to... Real oh, quick, breaking. Uh, so this is a big tennis. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout-out to Djokovic, Novak Djokovic. Uh, he just won his fourth straight Wimbledon title and got his 21st oh, Grand wow. Slam win. Congratulations, Djokovic. He's literally the greatest tennis player of all time. Congrats. He's Probably insane. one of the only names I know um, in male tennis. He's insane. So I just wanted to give... I got that update yeah. about five minutes ago, so I just wanted to bring that up. Congratulations, Djokovic. Congrats. Keep doing what you do. You're the GOAT. <laughs> I think we got time for one more, so so let's hop into it. Uh, best team. And this is a really hard one to judge, too. Nice. Much like how I think best athletes hard to judge, because uh, it's, you know, it's each team competing in their own separate yeah. sports. So I'm going to name the teams. And uh, you guys tell me what you think. We got Golden State Warriors, NBA, Chicago Sky, WNBA, Atlanta Braves, MLB, Los Angeles Rams, NFL, Oklahoma Sooners, college softball, Georgia Bulldogs, college football, and the Colorado Avalanche, NHL. Guys, who should be there? Who shouldn't be there? Okay. Who's winning it all? Right off the bat, 
the Braves and Georgia do not deserve to be here. I want to get that off right there. Because here's the thing. Yes, the Braves won the World Series. So from that sport, it would make them look like the best team. But they're not. They're just, they're just not. I'm sorry. I think the Los Angeles Dodgers are way... I think the New York Yankees are way better. Yeah. I don't like the Yankees. They are. They have a far better team. And can we stop with the thing that, like, Georgia's good? Their defense was good. <laughs> when their quarterback, when they won the Natty, and he's like, I'm the best quarterback in college. No. I didn't... No, you're not. I'm sorry. You're just yeah. not. Get them out of... They don't deserve to be there at all. Cool. You won the national championship. You beat Alabama. Yeah, that makes everybody happy because America wins when Alabama loses. But... Stop the notion that they're good at football. They don't deserve to be on this list. I would have still put Alabama or even Ohio State yeah. on this. I, I mean, as much as I know Jeff and the rest of Ohio will hate me to say this, I would have even put Michigan over mm, I Georgia. Would, I would not. Marcus. Okay. I, the one team I'll say is the Braves don't deserve to be on here because they just broke out. I'll admit, no. Now, actually, all these teams quite deserve to be here because you got to admit, I mean, without Ronda or Kune, I thought the season was over with, with the Braves. But then suddenly they just had this late season surge, which was crazy. And then so you just drove through the playoffs and went to the World Series. I, oh, my goodness. They are here in the World Series without Ronda or Kune. They won it all without Ronda or Kune. And then Georgia, I mean, I'll, my pick is between Georgia, Oklahoma softball team, and the Colorado Avalanche. Because all three, the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, they just dominated the, the I rainy think they champs. They only lost two games. Yeah, they the just higher playoffs. Yeah, they just dominated the rainy champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they also Oklahoma softball team. I mean, it was such a spectacular season, historical. Many individuals put up individual stats. I mean, even people dubbed probably the best softball team ever. And then also with Georgia, I mean, their point differential was, like, crazy. I mean, I was watching this team week in, week out, like, just dominating teams, like, shutting teams out. I think it was only twice all season last season where three times where the Georgia Bulldogs allowed, just allowed a touchdown. Only three times all last season throughout the whole 14 games for them. Mm -hmm. And then also... Up to that point, finally see him beat Alabama. I was like, they finally done it. Sure. Yeah, they finally done it. So it's a hard choice between Georgia, Oklahoma softball team, and the Colorado Avalanche. It's a, it's a hard choice between those three. I'm going to give it to the Avalanche. Okay, I'm going to say something that I thought we might have been all thinking, but nobody said it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Why are the Chicago Sky here? I understand the WNBA doesn't get the love that they think it deserves, and that's okay. In the end, I think, like I was stating, these awards have to be fair. Alex, you're hating on women's sports. No. Oklahoma Sooners college softball team is arguably one of the best teams in sports history. I am not discrediting women's sports. I love women's sports, and I love women in sports. I can probably name five teams off the top of my head that should have been there before the Chicago Sky. I mean, I, I don't know why they're here. I, I know why they're here. I don't think it's right that they are here. But anyway, now that I got that off my chest, do, do, do you guys disagree? Or? I mean, they are the best WNBA team. Sure. So I understand why they deserve I to could, be here. I, I would have rather picked the best minor league baseball team. 
Honest to goodness. That would have gone to the Akron Rubber Ducks. Because <laughs> we, we are the best minor Gen- league baseball genuinely, team. Genuinely. Genuinely. I, I just, I don't, I, I didn't even, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it is I, my, I do think maybe it is my ignorance. But like I said, I, was, I mean, I'm doing research and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Marcus, you mentioned the Oklahoma Sooners um, softball team. And I do have some stats somewhere in my long list of stats. If I can, okay, the Sooners—they broke the NCAA record for best season start in Division One softball history, thirty-six and zero. The Sooners won thirty of its thirty-six games by run rule. The Sooners outscored opponents three hundred and fifty-four to twenty-seven. On the year, with only 17 opponent runs being earned. The pitching staff leads the NCAA with .60 ERA. Should I keep going? I I can. The Sooner pitching staff (laughs) has six no-hitters of the year. This is tied for most in a single season in a program history, matching 2013, 2015, 2019. I could literally go all day, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. That's almost as much as Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is literally insane. Like, that is wild to me. Pat, I'm not so negative on the Bulldogs as you are. However, I'm not as high on them as you are, Marcus. Uh, nobody talked about the Warriors, and I think that's fair. I don't know if the Warriors, I don't know if either team that made it to the finals this year deserved to even make it to the finals, obviously. Like I said, you got to be fair. You win, you win, you make it. Were Golden State the best team in NBA last year? I don't know. Was Celtics the second best team in the NBA? If I was putting there's a, like a stamp on the best team in the NBA, I think I would have gave it to Phoenix. I mean, there was really no team that really stood out last year. A hundred percent. And and even like Golden State Warriors have shown they've had way better seasons than they did this year. Mind you, they won the NBA championship, and they still had better seasons. The Braves, they don't deserve it. Get them out of here. The Rams, you can make an argument there. Best offensive player, arguably one of the best defensive players of all time. Super Bowl winners. I mean, I'm not saying that I think they're the craziest NFL team of all time, but I think there is a real argument to be made about this Rams team and their this recent success in general. However... My pick is between the Colorado Avalanche and the Oklahoma Sooners softball team. I'm going to take it with the Oklahoma Sooners softball team. Those young women deserve every ounce of all the hard work that they put in, and I think they are the best team. You guys got anything to add? I mean, I'll I'll agree the same thing, either between Oklahoma's softball team or between Georgia's football team or between the Colorado Avalanche, but I'll say... The upset, this might be an upset pick, and that's going to Atlanta Braves because they, the team show what it means, what it means to persevere, and when your grade start goes out for the whole season, and then you still be the Atlanta Braves, and they was worse before the Kune injury, and yes, people may say the Jock Peterson trade may have helped them get to the World Series, but other than that, they really played like a team. They really played like a team. They showed that it's all about the next man up. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, they showed the way of perseverance, what the meaning, the true meaning of perseverance. <laughs> when your biggest start goes out for the season and you still win it all, that's uh, that's what perseverance is. <laughs> Pat, anything to add on what I or Marcus said? 
No, but I got to give my best team to the Colorado Avalanche. They took down the biggest team in the NHL hmm. in the finals in six games. Only lost, I think, two games the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. I got to give it to Colorado. They've earned it. Yeah, I, I agree. No LA love from Pat or Marcus. I mean, no. they're really good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but yeah. They should be here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they should be here. Okay, cool. Well, at least we can agree on that. Like I said, I'm giving it to the Sooners girls. It's insane. Hey, we're going to come back right after this with MLB news. We're talking about the Guardians, talking about MLB in general. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned, 88.1. What is going on, Sports Power Talk Nation? My name is Alex Henry. Hope you guys have been enjoying. It's my first time hosting. I think I'm doing all right. Doing know. a good job. Hey, we just posted the Around the Room. We were talking about ESPYs. Uh, we were talking about best uh, athlete in men's sports. I gave it to Steph Curry. Pat, you gave it to Otani. Marcus gave it to Otani as well. Yeah. Go vote. Let us know what you guys think. Who should win that award? Like I already stated, I'm here with Pat Weber. What's going on? I'm here with Marcus. What's up? <laughs> and uh, hey, we're we're on the home stretch of the show, guys. We've made it this far without any mess ups. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I'm pretty happy so far. Hey, we're gonna talk MLB, a sport that I don't necessarily know too much about, but nonetheless has been exciting recently. And we're gonna talk about it. Uh, but first, I want to throw it over to Pat, and I want to talk about last week's Around the Rue. Pat, give us an update on that. So, from the results of last week's Around the Rue, which was Rob Manfred has an agenda for the future of baseball. What is your favorite? The three choices were robot umps in 2024, a pitch clock added in 2023, or an expansion to 32 teams. I, myself, voted for the expansion to 32 teams, which won are Around the Rue. I want more baseball teams. That's why I voted for that. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wants more baseball teams. Make it even because I think the MLB is the only professional, like major professional league that uh, doesn't have thirty-two teams. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I also agree, and like I said, I'm not a crazy baseball fan, but I I believe maybe a new team, a couple new teams added in new cities that don't have big sports right now. That would that would excite me. I would. I am down for that, and I think that is the reason that that should win, and that should be the winner because it would bring in new fans. Yeah, maybe robot umps. That sounds pretty cool. Some new fans might want to be like, "All right, I want to see some robot umps." When it comes to pitching clock, see, I like the pitching clock. I, I think it, it I speeds up the game a little. More. I don't think it does speed up the game more. But do baseball fan do non baseball fans really understand that? Hmm. That's true. Eh, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that was a good question. Thanks, everybody that voted. I'm going to plug it one more time. The Around the Rue is up right now for this week. Best athlete in men's sports. Let us know in the comments who you think got robbed or who should be there, too. Because, I mean, we couldn't talk about it all day, but we got some strong opinions there. But let's get in to the Major League Baseball. And I want to talk about the all-star starters that list came out, and I know there's some people in this room that have some strong opinions on who made it or not. So, Pat, I'm going to throw it over to you, and just kind of like what we've been talking about. Who deserved it, who didn't deserve it, and who should be there? 
I have a very strong bone to pick. This is one reason why I don't like that uh, the fans get to vote on who's going to be in the All-Star game. Yes, we could talk about that. It's a very unfair advantage for smaller market teams that might have a better player. And, of course, I'm talking about the fact that Jose Ramirez is not going to be the third base starter and Rafael Devers is. That is downright embarrassing and wrong, and the MLB should be so disappointed and change it immediately. The only reason Devers won is because Boston has more fans than Cleveland. That's the only reason why. Jose Ramirez is better in every single category than Devers, yet Devers is starting because he got more votes. Huh? That That's... That's just embarrassing. That's just downright embarrassing. I'm not happy about that whatsoever. Marcus? Yeah, I think that as well. I agree with that. And also picking Tim Anderson over Bo Bichetti. I mean, Bo Bichetti obviously have a better stat year than Tim Anderson. I would make Tim Anderson is the hardest all of the White Sox stuff by one of his teammates. Tim Anderson is a heck of a player. But Bo Bichetti, he's like a... He's like a hand machine, for real. So I don't know why I picked Tim Anderson over Bo Boucher. I think that was the, that's the biggest snub so far for the MLB All-Star game is Bo Bichetti. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I might disagree a little bit because I think Bo Bichette's had a very, very bad year for what, what we see out of him normally. I don't think I want to put Tim Anderson there, though. <laughs> I mean, what about, I mean, based off what you said, what about Mike Trout? I mean, sure. You guys, obviously a legend, but this season, I mean... Yeah, this was more like a popularity pick. Yeah, that's basically what the MLB All-Star is. It's <laughs> This is what all All-Star games are. It's, exactly. It's popularity. That's why John Carlos Stanton, for some reason, is also an All-Star starter. And he should not be an All-Star starter. How do we fix this? How... There's guys that should be there that aren't. There's guys who are there the that NBA does, aren't. where, yeah, they have the fan picks... But at the end of the day, it's up to the coaches on who should be in the All-Star game. That's what it should be in the MLB. Sure. Marcus, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, I mean, there are, sure, there's guys that deserve to be there 100%. And there's guys that aren't. And it is a little upsetting as a fan that follows it. I'm not saying me personally, but I can understand, especially for a Guardians fan, uh, you know, it's like the, we don't have a lot yeah, to go off of, 100%. and the one thing that we have, we don't even get to have because of Boston fans. Yeah, I gotta say the most overrated player in the MLB is Tim Anderson. I gotta yeah, say he's overrated. <laughs> the most overrated, one hundred percent. I mean, even the same with Raphael, right? I mean, isn't he? He's very good. I'm giving like I'm not saying um, he's a bad player. No, me but either. he's he not better than Jose Ramirez at all. Sure. And, and again, and it's, it's only because hype. It, it's that, and it's also because, fan, obviously, if you're a fan of that team, you're going to want to vote for your players because you want to see your team's players starting in the All-Star game. Yep. And the Boston Red Sox have more fans than the Cleveland Guardians do. It's just a, it's just a fact. And we don't, like, as as a Guardians, we don't have anything to go off of here. So, like, the one time that we're going to have an All-Star starter probably in a while, I would have to think, probably since... Was Shane Bieber an all-star starter? His Cy Young? Yeah, Cy Young. Yeah. Yeah. Before the Cy Young year, too. Two times. But, I mean, you can't just put Rafael Devers in there. He, does, sure. he deserves to be in uh, in the all-star game. Yeah, not a starter. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, you guys, we're, we're, we're putting some hot takes. I know that there's a lot of people here that might not disagree happy. with you. But, 
anyway, that's the All Stars. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on from that to our traditional player of the week segment. We do this every single week. We pick a player and we pick who we thought was the best that week. It's <laughs> it is that simple, Pat. I'm gonna throw it over to you. Player of the week. I'm going through. I got a, I got a few, and I want to narrow it down to one. So, let's see here. Who, who are we thinking about? Who are we in between? So, I'm stuck between two of our very own Cleveland Guardians here. Oh, wow. Mm. I got to give it to Nolan Jones. I have to give it to Nolan Jones. Sure. Yeah, he's only played in um, two games, but in those two games... Got a home run, four RBIs. His first hit was a RBI double. His batting average is a 571. Even though he's only played in the two games, uh, the one, his debut, we did lose, unfortunately, to a walk-off against the Royals. But last night, he contributed in a big way to our 13-1 to victory over the Royals. I got to give it to Nolan Jones for this week. Came up big already in his MLB debut, and I'm excited to see where he goes with us in the future. Marcus, I'm going to throw it over to you. I'll say my player of the week is Ahmed Rosario. I think he is the one. Without him, I don't know what we'll, I don't know where we'll be right now. He's been hitting clutch hits for us. I mean, been like pretty much leading the league in like in like multi hits games, and pretty much he's been our heavy hitter for this game next to Jose Ramirez. But yeah, he's been he's been such a clutch hitter for us. Honestly. Guys, we were just talking about we were just talking about buying into the hype and picking players strictly because they're on our teams. Why with that being said <laughs> with that being said, I agree with you, Pat. No one knows, <laughs> man. I mean I, I was gonna pick my boy, Paul Goat Schmidt, as I like to refer to him. <laughs> Goldie. He did get hurt though, and that you know, he was he was not playing every game. Because of that, I, I agree. Nolan Jones bringing bringing uh, Cleveland back from the kind of drought they were in, uh, and just I don't know, it was very exciting to watch. And sometimes the exciting player deserves to win the WZIP Player of the Week. It doesn't mean that you know certain players deserve to be in the All Star Game. It's a little it's a little bit different. But I will also go with you, Pat, and talk about Nolan Jones. Before we get into the Guardians, though, and talk about how they did this week, any World Series matchup predictions? It doesn't necessarily have to be two teams. It could be a few teams you think might make it. Uh, You know, it's kind of getting close to thinking about it. Pat, what do you think? So, my World Series prediction right now, I'm going to have the battle for New York as my World Series the New York Mets, because they are getting Jacob DeGrom back. They're getting, in my opinion, the best pitcher in the entire MOB back on their roster. He's healthy again. And the New York Yankees have been on fire this year. They're already at 61 wins. The next highest, the next team with the most wins is the LA Dodgers with 55. The Yankees have been on a tear. They will win the World Series. I'm calling it now. Yeah, definitely. New York Yankees and the. The best hitting team in the, the best hitting team in MLB versus the best pitching rotation in the NBA, the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, Ooh. the Mets. Yeah, the Mets and the Dodgers got the stars, but the Milwaukee Brewers, 
the Brewers, that pitching rotation of theirs, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just so impressive the way they just strike people out and allow and not allow many hits game in, game out. Like the Brewers ain't been like <laughs> they just they just that team that really stands out from everybody else. All the other teams, they just about get on the base and getting that ball out the park. But this team, they just they really control games. The way they control games through their pitching rotation of theirs, that that dominant pitch, pitching duo of theirs, I mean, and it's just can, awesome. It's very impressive. The one, maybe one of the most well-balanced teams in the, in all of baseball. So Brewers and Yankees, that's and, my pick. And I think that that pitching rotation is what would be the biggest threat to the Yankees if that is the matchup. See, guys, I just want to say real quick, we're not completely biased yeah, at WCIP. Yeah. Nobody picked the Guardians. <laughs> I really want to. We all to. want the Guardians to go there. Nobody but picked nah. them. I really yeah. want to pick us, but after our series with the Tigers, I, no. Yeah, the Brewers. I mean, everybody else is all about getting on base. They're all about don't let them get on base. <laughs> don't allow the those Brewers hits. focus more on defense than any other team in the MLB. And yes. And that definitely shows you. Yeah, their record, obviously, they play in, in my opinion, the worst division in the entire MLB. Mm. But I got to give them the credit where it's due. They are one of the best defensive teams in the league. And I I agree with you, Alex. I do think that the, because of their defense, because of their pitching rotation, that could be the biggest threat to the Yankees if that's the World Series matchup. Speaking of giving credit to where credit's due, nobody mentioned the Astros. Mm, no. <laughs> nobody mentioned the Astros. Any? I mean, yes, Yankees are the best, right? But Yeah. The Astros, Astros have proven time Astros. and time again. They're proven time and time again that they like to hit trash cans to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, any takes on the on the Astros? Uh, Astros, I mean, they could. They, I mean, they do got very taste if you throw in the Yankees, maybe knock off the Yankees. So, I mean, it's the same old team. You know, um, you know, Springer is with Springer is with Minnesota. I mean, they still that same dominant Astros teams that went to five straight AL AL conference championships. So I'm. It's still the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, they got too much star power on their team to get the throne. So it's the Aaron Judge has been on a tear, and unfortunately, like when we were doing our predictions for our awards at the very beginning of the season, and I said Jose Ramirez would win AL MVP, he's not going to win it because they're going to give it no. to Aaron Judge 100. percent As he point. should. And Aaron Judge deserves it. Now, 100%. if it would have been like another Mike Trout thing where they give it to him solely based on the fact that he might be the face of the league, I would have been disappointed. Or if they would have given it to Shohei Otani, who, by the way, hasn't been playing the best this year. Mm. Last year, he was on a tear. This year, not so much because mm. he's focused more on just his pitching. And you can kind of see that with his batting average. It's dropped a lot. But they're going to give it to Aaron Judge. It's going to be... I think he might win a unanimous AL MVP at this that's, point. That's a fair take. I'm going to give my teams real quick. I think it's going to be the Yankees in the AL. I mean, it. it it's really... I don't know who else. I said the Astros, and you guys both laughed, and it. I understand. It makes sense to laugh. I really don't see a team beating these Yankees right now. Looking at the NL, it is a little more difficult. I was between Dodgers and Mets, but Marcus, you do bring up a good point about the Brewers, and like I already previously mentioned, if there was a team that was going to give the Yankees the most difficulty between Mets, Brewers, and Dodgers, I think it's the Brewers. I just don't know if I think they win, and uh, I, I think I give it. Uh, I think I give it to the Dodgers. Hmm. 
Um, I can respect it. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I, I do still put it between the Dodgers and the Mets. But like I did say, if anybody's going to give those Yankees, um, especially in you know what could be a seven-game series, I think that the Brewers make it through a series way better than maybe the Mets and maybe the Dodgers. But it's still early. It is early, but the Yankees right now are definitely winning the AL East because they are 15 games ahead of second place as Boston. They're 15 games ahead of them. Yeah. And Boston's not even playing that bad. They're sitting at 46 and 39. Sure. The Yankees are just that good this They're year. that good. Right. And deserved. They do deserve it. And I really... As much as I don't like I don't Yankees like fans. Yankees. I don't like Yankees fans. I don't... I don't like them, but I respect the team because they're very good. And yeah. that's the extent of what I'll give them because I do think there is one fan base in the entire world or one city of fans in the entire world that is way worse than Yankees fans. That's Boston. Mm. So, I give the Yankees credit where credit's due. They were with the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like Boston fans. No. And it's, that's mainly because of the Patriots, but... Sure. Yeah. It I is agree. what it is. Two toxic fan bases. And the Bruins. 100%. As a hockey fan, everybody hates the Bruins. Yeah. Nobody likes them. Sure. <laughs> so... That's our World Series matchup predictions. We're all kind of in agreement for the most part about certain things. But I want to get into what has been an awful week for the Guardians turned into quite an exciting week for the Guardians. Uh, let's get into the sad stuff first. So I want to recap the um, the Tigers series. Pat, I'll throw it mm. over to you. Uh, what, what, what do you think about... Uh, how the Guardians played against the Tigers. That might have been the most embarrassing four-game series I have ever watched in my life. How did we get swept by Detroit? I don't know what it is, but something about Detroit when they come and play a Cleveland team struggles all the time for Cleveland. We did not play well at all. I mean, the closest game we gave them was game two of the doubleheader. We lost 5-3. Huh. We lost... The uh, third game on Tuesday, uh, the fifth, eleven to four. We couldn't get anything going. Our pitchers were struggling. I give the Tigers credit; their bats were hot. They were hot at the right moment. But that was just embarrassing. I was embarrassed to watch that series. Sure, Marcus. Yeah, very embarrassing. I mean, this been. Like last season, such a schizophrenic season for the Guardians. I mean, they play good one minute, and then next season they just lay an egg. I mean, it's just been on and off, up and down, like a seesaw pretty much. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just no consistency with this team. I mean, no changes at all in the off season, but just same old, same old as last season. Yeah, it, it seems to be the way that the Guardians have been playing ever since that championship run. Like like in 2016, it seems like every year since then it's been, you know, for like 10 games we're on fire. And then mm. for 10 games we're ice cold. And yep. for 10 games, it's just up and down. There's no consistency with this team. To start off the season, we did have a lot of consistency. There was one point where we were top of the AL Central. And now we're three and a half games back. Sure. I don't know. It. We kind of picked it up. I mean, we were on a five-game losing streak up until last night. Which with, that always with hurts. The, with Detroit, um, no, just the four with Detroit, and then we played. No, the I'm saying fourth. we were on a losing streak. Oh yeah, with Detroit. Yeah, which is embarrassing it's because em- the Tigers and, are. And awful. obviously, like you said, Pat, 
sure, there's a few games where you want to give Detroit credit. They were on. You know, they have an 8-2 to two win. They have an 11-4 to four win. But overall, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, I just think, I don't think that the Tigers were the better team. I just think the Guardians were We played sluggish. I understand that we came off of a very, very good win against the Yankees prior to the series. Yep. I understand that. Now, overall, we did lose the series to the Yankees, but we did come off that last game with a very well-deserved win at home. But to go from beating the best team in the entire MLB to dropping four, all four games in the series against the Tigers, that should not happen. It should be, we beat the best team in the league, so we're going to come in still fired up, and we're going to stomp this Detroit team, and we didn't. We looked like the polar opposite of the team that I watched play the Yankees. It, yeah. it was embarrassing. We were, it, stupid errors, horrible pitching. It was just bad. It was bad all around. Couldn't get the bats hot. I think that this series might have been one of the reasons why Jose Ramirez isn't an all-star starter, because he was leading third base all-star at some point. And then we hit the second stretch of voting, and that's when we started dropping more games. And then when we got swept, I mean, I think that just dropped it because Jose couldn't get his bat hot that yep. series. Yeah. I uh, Real quickly, I want to talk about Friday's loss as well to the Royals before we get into the good stuff. Any, any thoughts on that 3-4 to four loss? I don't want to say that I, I wasn't really surprised when we got walked off. I mean, yeah, I was disappointed, but given the circumstance that we were put in, I was like, okay, it's probably going to happen. We played well. It's just that we genuinely, we we just kind of dropped that game. Mm. The Royals, who are the worst team in the AL Central, they are dead last. They were putting up a fight. So I give them I give them their credit that they were putting up a fight in front of their home crowd. Again, it was something with the errors. I think we had like two or three errors that game, and we shouldn't, the most, the most you should have is maybe one. And I mean, right. maybe one error. I, I don't know. Disappointed was definitely the best way I could put those the last five games up yeah. until last night. Yeah, they just lost that game in old Cleveland fashion with all sports teams. I mean, they just they just look good at first, and then somebody's they just get too comfortable with the league, and then lose the league. They just get too comfortable, and then. Just bam, it goes away with them in the instance. And then I'll, I'll admit, I'll agree with Pat Weber too. I, that I'll agree with Patrick too. The Warriors are a competitive team. I'll say a lot better than last season. Uh, at this point, especially surpassing their win mark, win total from last season, all whole, all last season already thirty one wins. But I'll say like. I'll say consistency. Consistency is the one thing that it's been hard to maintain for this Guardians team, just like yep. last season when they were still the Indians. I mean, and just I'll consistency. Even, I'll even say it's been kind of an odd season for the Guardians because normally our pitching is what keeps us in games. Uh-huh. And this year our pitching has been not great whatsoever. I, I believe our – I think the pitcher with the best record on our team right now is Tristan McKenzie, and he's 6-6. Six and six. Oh. Shane Bieber is, I want to say, three and five, right? And that is not normal. Like normally, we have to rely on our pitching because we can't get our offense going. Well, now we're getting our offense going, but we're dropping our pitching, right? So it's just a really weird, weird season right now. 
and let's talk about getting our offense going. Let's get rid of all this you know negative talk. Passes in the past. Let's talk about yesterday's win. We killed the Royals. Thirteen yesterday. Thirteen. That was that was good. It was good to see the bats get hot again. I mean, Jose Ramirez didn't hit a home run in almost a month, and he hit one last night. Yep, that's how cold his bat got. Yeah, and Nolan Jones. Let's talk about Nolan Jones. Oh, I love Nolan Jones. He hit his first career home run last night, and he smoked that ball. I think it was 457 feet right to center. Yeah, best game they ever played all season long. 100%. Perfect game. 23 hits. <laughs> we got 23 hits. Oh, I love I love when we play well. So good. Everybody, everybody's bats were hot last night. I mean, Stephen Kwan, three for six. Ahmed Rosario, three for five. Jose Ramirez, three for four. Owen Miller, one for two. Josh Naylor, one for three. Ernie Clement, one for two. The only person who didn't get a hit on our team was Oscar Mercado. Everybody else at least got a hit. It, yeah. was, it was good to see. Jimenez, Andres Jimenez deserves to be in the All-Star game, and if he's not the backup for the AL, I am going to have some problems with the MLB. He's one of the best batters on our team right now. Three for six last night, batting 300. It's just insane. Yeah. We're playing. Th- that is the team that we need to have. Like We need to play every, like that every night. Every game. Every yep. night. Um, this brings up another question. Is Aaron Judge, you know, his story sees he's on, is he staying at Yankee next year or not? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say yes because I think they're going to offer him a contract he can't turn. He can't turn. Oh, yeah, Dev. I think now he, I think he likes the team too. Yeah, he does. He does seem to like it. I know that there's been that picture that's resurfaced recently of him wearing a Boston Red Sox shirt before he got drafted. Right. So I do kind of like the Red Sox fans are trying to dig at Yankees fans. It's the biggest rivalry, one of the biggest rivalries in sports. But yeah, yeah, he's. I think he's going to stay a Yankee. I don't see him leaving. Back to the Guardians win. You knew, everybody knew after the second, arguably the first inning. That the Guardians were going to win that game. Oh, yeah. When we got those two runs, when we had six runs by the second inning, I was like, there's no way we dropped this game. Because if we did drop that game, I I don't even know. One thing I will say that I'm very surprised is that I know we extended James Karnacek in the offseason. And he has been horrible. Mm. Horrible this year. He's got a 9 ERA. That's not good whatsoever. Especially for a relief pitcher. That's very bad. So, I don't know. He's, he's just been so disappointing this yeah. season. And I I, I want to say it's our bullpen that's been hurting us the most. Like, yeah, our starters have been struggling, don't get me wrong, but our bullpen has been horrible. With the exception, though, of uh, Emmanuel Classe. Mm. He's been the bright light in the bullpen. But other than that, that's it. Yeah, I... I 100% agree with you, Pat. Very quickly, before the end of our show, I want to talk about just the AL Central rankings, uh, where the Guardians lie in that, and just looking at it. Marcus, do you have any thoughts on these rankings? It's uh, Twins are at top, uh, 47 wins, 40 losses, followed by the Guardians at second, 41 wins. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. 41 <laughs> losses, uh, followed by... The White Sox, Tigers, and then the Royals. What do we think about these rankings? I still think we can finish first, realistically, because at one point we were top of the AL Central. I do think the Twins are going to cool off at some point. They've hit a hot streak. I do think they're going to cool off. I do think we can move into first. If we play like how we played last night, 
we there's no reason that we shouldn't win the AL Central or at least take the AL Central. I, I just think uh, this could be a runner a runaway for the Twins. I mean, mm. with including with one of their big one of the newest stars in the league, um, Byron Buxton, it's gonna be a runaway with the White Sox be a disappointment still. The Warriors they're just competing, but they ain't going. No, they're not going anywhere, and. Yeah, it's just going to be running away for the Twins. And also, if the Guardians could get the division and come out on top, if they if they able to maintain consistency and not and keep it on at all times, and other than that, it's going to be a runaway for Minnesota. I will say the Twins, how they finish out the season is going to rely on if Carlos Correa keeps playing like how he's playing. Because if Carlos Correa goes back into that early season slump, the Twins are done. Right. Because the reason the Twins have been having all this success recently is because Carlos Correa has started to play up to the level that we know and the entire league knows he can play up to. But it's just a can he maintain that? Right. If he can't, then I don't see the Twins keeping that number one spot, and I do think they drop it. If But if Carlos Correa keeps playing like how he's playing, having probably one of the hottest bats in the league right now, I mean, he's just nine times out of ten right now, he's hitting that ball. Right. The like, Twins will keep it. Like the Baker Mayfield... Sam Darnold situation. Baker Mayfield should be the lock. And I agree. I think the Twins should be the lock. But I, it's still going to be a competition. And I don't think it's for certain uh, that the Twins are going to win. And if anybody is going to beat them, it's going to be the Guardians. And I think it's very, very close. And it's it all boils back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Consistency. Can this team be consistent? And really, I mean, if we can see some consistency... If we could see some consistency in the bullpen, yeah. we'd be okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it could really change a lot. Well, guys, we uh, we made it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I made it through my first show, and I appreciate everybody that listened. Uh, we talked about... Man, we talked about a lot. We talked about Baker Mayfield. Shout out to Logan on that epic call-in. We talked about the ESPYs. We talked about college football talked about the MLB tickets. So right after this show ends, call in. I'm going to take the fifth caller. I'm giving away a four-pack anytime, any game. Sounds exciting, right? I mean, Absolutely. who doesn't yeah, want to go see Ducks. a rubber ducks team? The rubber ducks are uh, one of the best teams in the minor leagues right now. Won the championship last year. We're going to win it again this year. So come out with your tickets. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving away these tickets, guys. You're not going to want to miss it. Hey, you've been listening to... Patrick Weber, Marcus Anderson, and Alex Henry. And I appreciate you guys tuning in for Sports Power Talk. Have a good day. Go Guardians.